My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bundjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 13th of June. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. Last week, Apple announced that their virtual reality headset, the Apple Vision Pro, would be available in early 2024. Now, this has the tech world talking, but for the rest of us, what does this technology actually mean? How do we use it? And is VR an inevitable part of our future, or is it just a whole lot of hype? We're going to unpack all of this in the deep dive, but before I tell you about it, what made headlines this long weekend, Zara? Investigations are continuing into what caused the bus crash in the New South Wales Hunter Valley that claimed 10 lives. Around 25 people remain in various hospitals across the state. Yesterday, PM Anthony Albanese offered support to the victims and their families, while New South Wales Premier Chris Minns attended the scene. Four children have been rescued in the Amazon rainforest after being missing for 40 days. The siblings, who are all members of the indigenous Huitoto people, had been travelling on a light plane that crashed on May the 1st. According to Colombian authorities, the children built makeshift shelters, foraged for fruit and seeds, and fended off wild dogs. Novak Djokovic has won his 23rd Grand Slam, officially standing alone as the most successful individuals men's tennis player in history. Djokovic is now tied with Serena Williams, with only Australian Margaret Court ahead of the pair on 24 individual titles. And today's good news, a university professor nicknamed Dr. Deep Sea has set a new record for the number of days living underwater, surfacing after 100 days beneath the surface. Dr. Joseph Duturi set a new record for the longest time living underwater without depressurization during his stay at Jules's Undersea Lodge, which is an underwater steel and glass hotel built 30 feet under the water off the coast of Florida. It was all part of an experiment to test the physical and mental limits of humans when they're isolated in a high-pressure environment. Okay, so Sam, you have fought me very hard to speak about this on the podcast today, and it's because I know that you are very excited to talk about virtual reality. I am really excited, and I actually went to San Jose in California last week, and I got to actually try on the Apple Vision Pro headset. Now, before we get into a discussion about the future of our reality, I want to be really transparent up front and tell everyone that I was invited as a guest of Apple to try the product, and none of that will influence the content of this podcast. It's editorially independent. But I guess the reason why I was so keen to go was it's impossible to deny the significance of virtual reality in terms of how tech companies are imagining our future. And we all know that if you look at how laptops and phones have developed, it could only be a matter of time until we all own a virtual reality or mixed reality headset, whether they come from Apple, Google or Meta, formerly known as Facebook. But I didn't want to go into a product review. What I thought would be more helpful is to explore in a little bit more depth what virtual reality is and whether we actually are heading for this future where it'll be as commonplace in our lives as picking up a mobile phone. 
I think when I hear you say that, it just feels so unlikely to me because, you know, it's not the first VR set to be released. And the people that do have VR sets at the moment are just people that are obsessed by tech. You know, they're really expensive and normal people don't tend to really use it. Mm. I mean, I want to understand why you think it's going to take over the whole world, but I think we should probably take a step back first and just explain what it is that you're actually talking about when you say things like virtual or augmented reality. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why it's so hard for a lot of us to get our heads around it is that we don't actually know what these terms mean. So augmented reality is when virtual stuff is overlaid onto our real world to enhance reality. And it's already a pretty big part of a lot of people's lives. Think about apps where you can point in the corner of a room and it will show you what a new couch or table will look like. Or a game like Pokemon Go, where we remember people running all over the streets chasing Pokemon that they saw overlaid into a vision of their real world. So things like social media filters, the things, you know, when you see people becoming a cat, right? Exactly. That's kind of the reality as we know it, manipulated by a screen. But then you've got virtual reality. So I just talked you through augmented reality. Virtual reality is a computer-generated 3D simulated environment that you can actually explore and interact with. And this is where you usually have to use a VR headset or goggles. In the olden days, it was 3D glasses at IMAX was kind of getting you somewhat close to that. And those tools create animated visuals and spatial sounds to immerse you in that environment. And the idea here is that it's realistic enough that you can suspend your current reality and belief and experience that world as real. Now, naturally, VR has mostly featured in gaming, and there are things also like flight simulating headsets that airlines use to train pilots. And then finally, there's the concept of mixed reality, which is kind of a blend of the virtual world with your real world. And you know you're in a mixed reality environment when you see these virtual objects in your living room or whatever real space you're in. And these objects in front of you might get bigger when you get closer or they might react to you sticking your hand out and moving it. It's engaging with you in your world, but it's not obviously really there. And the important thing to remind you is that this is not totally new tech. Other companies like Meta have had VR headsets out for a while. Yeah, we in our last office, our beautiful office mates would spend hours just playing games with it. Yeah, I got my golf swing pretty good in the <laughs> exactly. um, in the old version. My of the- only, that's the only time I've ever seen it in real life. Yeah, so that was the quest, and there's a third iteration of that coming out soon. But in the early days of virtual reality, as we experienced in that office, Zara, it hasn't been that comfortable as an experience. It's either totally unrealistic or you're waving your hands around or you're bashing into a wall. And another problem that users have reported is the fact that it's really bulky and it's really ugly to wear this huge headset. And we can all agree most of them look pretty terrible. So with all of those challenges in mind, Apple made their relatively late entry into this mixed reality space last week. Now, they suggested that this was their biggest launch since the Apple Watch back in 2015, and they're calling it a new era of tech with the headset featuring the world's first spatial operating system. And how much jargon we've gotten through in this podcast, it's, it's pretty easy to tell that we can throw another one in there without too much trouble. But in Apple's mind, everyone could own one one day, but I'm not so convinced. I mean... I know why I'm not convinced, but I would like to hear why you're not convinced given that you've actually tried it. So what comes to mind immediately when you try it? It was a pretty interesting experience. So there's only been a handful of people in Australia who've had an opportunity to try one. And what happens is they 
took my glasses measurements because I don't have the best eyes and I wear glasses all the time. And they actually insert prescription lenses into the goggles before you put them on. And what you're greeted with when you try it on is something that looks a little bit like ski goggles. But from the outside, it's really interesting because you can see your eyes in the front, but it's not actually transparent. Instead, there's little cameras inside the goggles that are transmitting a live feed of your eyeballs to the outside of the goggles so that other people in the room know what you're doing and where you're looking and what you're blinking at. Now, the way that you control movement when things pop up in front of you is just with your eyes. So to click something in the top left, you look at the top left. And it's just a simple tap of the index finger and the thumb. There's no big waving of the arms. There's no golf swings like we saw in the office, Sarah. It's very, very minor movements, a little bit like you're conducting an orchestra. And then there's two little speakers near your ears that give you this kind of spatial 3D audio. And what that means is if someone's talking to you from your left, then you'll hear it more in your left ear and then likewise with the right side. And then it's got that kind of transparency where if someone walks into your physical room and asks what you want for dinner, that will cut through whatever world you're in. But the really interesting bit was that there's this little dial that controls how much of the virtual reality world you're in. So let's say that you came into the room You could dial that back to see a little bit of Zara and a little bit of my virtual reality rainforest and not feel totally removed as a lot of the other VR headsets have done. Now, how do you power it? It's a battery pack, but it only lasts two hours and I'll come back to that later. Okay, so once you had it on, what are you actually using it for? Because, I mean, we've heard it's not just for gaming. What did you do with it on? They ran through a heap of different scenarios with me. I did a mindfulness meditation in a rainforest. I watched some of Avatar where I was in the world that Avatar was filmed in. And I had a FaceTime call with someone in another room whose Avatar itself kind of appeared physically in the room with me. One of the really powerful ones was I relived a kid's birthday party through a 3D video. So I was literally watching a kid blow out birthday candles in the room with me. And that was a moment for me where I kind of saw the real appeal of this type of technology and started some of my doubts started to subside. This went from novel to meaningful. Like I was thinking about what this could mean for people who can capture memories with family members who later pass away and then can kind of relive this 3D moment, uh, which itself was quite a confronting idea. I mean, when you say that, it just sounds like the kind of next frontier of holograms. You know, we've seen Tupac at a music festival. We've seen Kim Kardashian speak to her father. So, I mean, it's holograms, but then it's taking it to a whole nother level, right? Yeah. And there's so much about this technology we don't know about. Let me kind of reflect on the good bits and the bad bits, because I think there's a lot of interesting lessons in it. I think the spatial photo idea and being able to capture real life is really exciting. And the thing that I kept thinking about was what it could do to news. So we could use this as a publication. You texted me saying we must come up with an idea for how to use this for news. It's incredible. I mean, we could, you know, get people on board a rocket ship and show you new space tech advances. But there's also a bit of an ethical question for me there because... If we immersed you into a war zone to show you the evolving situation, that could have some serious mental health effects. So it's a really interesting part of this tech to explore. But the thing that really made the difference for me and the good bit, I think, of this headset was the fact that I could toggle in and out of virtual reality. You and I have such a strong memory of our office buddies playing golf in a virtual reality world and just bashing into stuff. Mm. And I think this really does counter that problem. 
And I'm excited to see how it's used in some really meaningful ways. You know, yes, you can watch concerts and go to sports games, but I want to see how it's being used in medicine. I want to see how it's being used in architecture. Um, I also think it's going to have a great impact for people with a disability. And I'm really excited to see how that tech is adapted. And I think I'm going to use that as a segue because there you're talking about accessibility. But I mean, I think the biggest con about this is its sheer lack of accessibility. And that comes around its price point. This is the big issue. And there was an audible gasp at the launch when the price was released by Apple. It's currently set at $3,500 US dollars, which in today's value is over $5,200 Australian dollars. We don't know the exact Australian market price for it until next year, but that's simply not affordable to most people. Uh, And it got me thinking that if you do see this as an opportunity to replace the family TV and you're a family of four, you're going to be forking out about $20,000 to make sure you can all watch something together with the Vision Pro. And to give you a sense of the competitive landscape, Meta's Quest device is around $500. Now, of course, Apple says that theirs is far superior. Whether it's $3,500 superior is yet to be seen. There's two other big negatives for me. The first is the battery life, and I think it's pretty easily fixed. But the battery life is only two hours, which is much shorter than most films. And the second issue is how it looks. So Apple have clearly done their best to make it not ugly. Uh, but this is not a subtle device. You look like you're wearing some hyper-tech ski goggles. And to get that beautiful vision of your kid blowing out birthday candles at the birthday party that I spoke of, you need to be the daggy person in the corner wearing the Vision Pro goggles at the birthday party to take the 3D video so that we can experience it later. And I just don't see a world where people are confidently walking around with these goggles on. Okay, so taking a step back from it all, do you think that this is actually something that could change our future? Or, I mean, is it something that only a very few select, you know, tech elites will ever use? I think it's too early to tell. And I think people would have had similar discussions when the first typewriter was released and then when the first desktop computer was released, when the first iPhone was released. We're going to need to see what happens in the kind of decade to come but something does need to happen on the cost side until it can be adopted by the majority of the population we wouldn't have iphones if they were five thousand dollars each and i'm also yet to be convinced that this is a device that people would wear around other people but in saying all of that this is the start of a new wave of technology and it will take time but i do think zara that you are going to have one in 10 years Well, look forward to sitting on this podcast in 10 years' time and no longer young people talking about if we are using them. Being beamed into lounge rooms all over the country. What a vision. Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz. If you learnt something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every weekday morning. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, have a fabulous day.